To this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heart Seas Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225 274 1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. Um, for this, this tonight and Sunday morning, we're going to be talking along the lines of what's your response? What is your response? How do you respond to life? How do you respond to life? To all the details that we face on a daily basis. I think I put that in a nice way. Huh? All the details that face us on a daily basis. We can label those details as the highs and the lows. How many knows that there are some highs that we face in our lives and there's some lows that we face in our lives? How many knows there's some ups and there's some... There's some ins and there's some... Okay? But in all of these details and just life in general, as we walk through life, we've got to make sure that our response is right because... Many times our response is totally wrong. Anyone in here ever had a wrong response? And you tell yourself, the next time, come on, the next time I'm going to respond in a different manner. And then you have to tell yourself the next time the same thing because you forgot. And you find yourself responding wrong over and over again, bringing negativity bringing no hope into situations that as long as God is alive, and He's not dying anytime soon, as long as God is alive, come on, there's hope. So I can tell you right now that there is hope for every one of us. But it's time that we make the good decisions and the right choices. Here's why I want to challenge you, or here's the reason why I want to challenge you on this tonight. Because through right godly response, we can accomplish so much more. Think about that. Through the right godly response to the details of life, we can accomplish so much more. Think about what I just said for a second. We can accomplish so much more. I'm going to ask you right now, and Trey's going to come with a mic. Why is it that when we handle things in the right way, in the right godly way, biblically, why is it that we can accomplish so much more with our lives? Anyone got anything they want to throw out at us tonight? Come on, why is it that we can accomplish so much more when we do things right? Anyone? Mike, come on. Can you turn on that mic quickly, Tammy? That's the spare one. Can you say that again, Mike, for us? Do it. I mean, we do it through, the, through God. We do it through the, the Spirit. We're not doing it in the flesh. And God's blessing that because He's not looking at what we're doing. We're looking at what we're allowing Him to do through us. Good. Good answer. Good answer. Anyone else? It's not a trick question. There's no wrong answers. 
with me and God, we're a majority. Awesome. Awesome. Remember the Bible says that God, He cannot condone, He cannot even look upon sin. So if we want the blessing of God in our lives and we're doing the wrong things, come on, we're, we're going the wrong way. Come on, there's things. Go on, Phil. Um, with God, little is always much. Come on, with God, little is always much. Uh, it's a biblical principle and it's a biblical promise in the Bible in, in multiple places that God blesses your honest work and God blesses your... Uh, uh, your dedication to His Word. Awesome. Anyone else got anything, Denise? I think if we're doing it for the right reasons in the right way, we're not distracted by all the other things in the world that distract us or worrying about how's this going to look to this person or to that person. Or, you know, you're, you're much more focused, and so you accomplish much more. Awesome. Good answers. Good answers. Anyone else from the cheap seats over here? No one. No one. Well, that's good answers, Okay. Here's something that I don't like to admit in my own life, and perhaps you don't, but I have limitations. I have limitations. For, you know, I think I've got all the strength in the world. I think I've got all the stamina in the world. I think I've got, you know, and, and I'm realizing more and more that I don't have as much as I thought I did. And the older I get, the less that I feel that I have. But, you know, we all have limitations in our life, and that's okay. Some people's limitations are greater than other people. Some people's pain tolerance is greater in their threshold of pain that they can take. You know, there's so many things, but really there's a place where every single one of us comes to the end of ourselves, okay? We can push and push and push and push, but there's a a limitation, there's the end, there's a, a breaking point that every one of us has. And that's why it's so important that our response is right. Because here, at the end of us, at the end of our abilities, we'll begin to see and we'll begin to realize it's just starting the ability that God has in our lives. When we think it's failure, when we think we've pushed and done everything we possibly can, God is just warming up. He hasn't even got in the game yet. It's like a pitcher. He's in the bullpen. He's not even on the mound yet. He's just warming up. His ableness is so incredible. In fact, he is more than able. So when these details of life come upon us, we like to think that we're so strong and, and we try to respond and we try to do and everything. But there's a breaking point sometimes where we can't fix the problems, where we can't put things back together again. Remember Humpty Dumpty? He had a great fall. All the king's horses and all the king's men, they couldn't put Humpty back together again. Anyone remember that story? Okay, we try to put, but there are circumstances in life, and I thank God for those times, that we come to the end of ourselves. But yet in that, we discover that God is more than able. And we've got to get to the place where our, line, our lives line up with the fact, and that is this, I need to respond according to His ableness, not to my ability. That's a great point tonight that you need to grab a hold of. I need to respond to the fact of His ableness, not to my ability. Don't beat yourself up if we're not there yet. Meaning, if we haven't got to that place yet where we fully trust in God and we fully realize that no matter, He is able. Don't beat yourself up if you're not there yet, but make sure you're still heading in that direction. Because it's so important that we get to that place. 
But we've got to watch our response. Why? Because a wrong response can mean the difference between bondage and liberty. Many people in the church today who confess Christianity and live for God only live in the appearance of freedom, but yet are truly living in bondage and defeat. They come in and shout hallelujah, praise the Lord, how you doing, everything's great, everything's wonderful. But can I tell you, it's just the appearance of where inside they are under bondage, they are defeated in their minds. There is no victory that is coming out of their lives. They're negative, all these kind of things. And they call themselves children of God. That's not what needs to happen in our lives. Why do I say that? Because God came and gave his life upon a cross to give us more than just the appearance of liberty and freedom. He came to give us more than just the appearance, but God, through his sacrifice and giving of his life, came to give us a peace that the world, the Bible says it's a peace that goes beyond anything that we can comprehend or understand. Anyone remember that scripture? He's the peace that passeth all understanding, surpasseth, goes beyond. So he came to give us such an inner peace and such a trust and such a confidence that we can have within our hearts that no matter the details we can still have a right response. And that is this. God is able to bring me through no matter what. John 8 verse 32 says, And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. To know means to understand, to recognize, or to release, or to realize, to come to know. To know, therefore, is a choice that you and I must make. The truth is out there, but the Bible says you shall know the truth. And here's perhaps a better way to read this verse, and that is, and the truth that you know shall make you free. Speaking about relationship with God, because He is the truth. I am the truth. Come on. That's the truth that we're talking about. Yes, we're talking about principles from God's Word, but we're talking about He is the truth. So in knowing Him, in relationship with Him, but yet that's a choice that you and I have to make. Freedom is also a choice. It's available, but am I living in it? Have I chosen to live in truth and in His freedom? Let's for a couple of minutes look at the children of Israel. And the reason we look at them perhaps so much is because the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians somewhere, I believe it is in 2 Corinthians, he talks about that their lives, the example of their lives was written down for the example of our lives, that they can give us instruction, that we can learn not only from the good things that they did, but really we learn probably a whole lot more from the bad things that they did. So we can be guided by the life or the example or the lack of example that they laid out for us. In the book of Exodus, chapter 3 and verse 7, Exodus 3 and verse 7, God has just appeared to Moses on the backside of the desert. He's not just in the desert, he's in the backside of the desert. It doesn't get much worse than that. And he's away alone, and all of a sudden the bush is on fire, no big deal, bushes burn up all the time in the wilderness, but there was something about this bush, and that was this, it wasn't consumed. It still kept burning. It didn't burn out. It kept burning. It caught Moses' attention that he walked over. He hears a voice coming out from the bush. 
God tells him to take his shoes off or his sandals off. He's on holy ground to approach. And God speaks to Moses. And this is what the Lord says to Moses, or some of the words he says to him out of the burning bush. Exodus 3 verse 7. And the Lord said to Moses, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. And I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. For I know their sorrow or I know their pain. In this passage, as God is calling Moses to be the deliverer, God is responding in response to the response of the children of Israel. Let me say that again. God is responding to what he hears. How do we know this? The Bible says that God has already seen the oppression. God is probably witness, or he has, no, probably. God has witnessed the oppression from day one. He's seen his children being beaten. He's seen them being put in bondage and in slavery. He has seen it all taking place, but he's been waiting for one thing to happen. And what was that? That they would cry out, help us, Jesus. Deliver us. So he, as he hears their cry, As a result of their response, crying out for help. We can't do it. We can't take this. We're tired of the bondage. We're tired of living as slaves. God says, now I can send a deliverer who can bring them out of that place of bondage. And to make a very, very long story very short, God delivers the children of Israel out of Egypt. He takes them out of their place of bondage on oppression. And as they testify to that, here's what they say in Exodus 13 and verse 14. Exodus 13 and verse 14, in the last part of that verse, the children of Israel say these words, By strength of hand, the Lord has brought us out of Egypt, out of the hand of, or out of the house of bondage. By strength of hand, the Lord has brought us out of Egypt. In other words, what they were saying was, it's only God's doing. We couldn't do it. Man could not do it. It was only God who was able to do such a thing. They were living proof of the ableness of God. That as they responded, as they cried out and says, we can't do it, God, we're oppressed, we're depressed, we're in bondage, we're in slavery, help us. God heard their cry, He came and He delivered them. And now they said, it's only God. What a testimony like ours, huh? It was only God. It was only God that brought us out. But it didn't take long for their response to go south in a hurry. Exodus 14, verse 11, the very next chapter, they said to Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you so dealt with us to bring us out of Egypt? In this passage, if you would read it, they are literally crippled by fear. They are crippled by fear. Why? Because things haven't fallen into place just as they planned. Has your life ever not fallen into place like you planned? Happened for the children of Israel. A wilderness wasn't their idea of deliverance. Come on, God, you said you were taking us to a land flowing with milk and honey. You didn't tell us we had to go through a wilderness to get there. The wilderness wasn't their idea of deliverance. But listen to me, neither was it God's. 
It was just the pathway to take them to their promise. But you know what? Through those few days, God began to realize something. They weren't in a place to be able to receive the promises of God. And now because of their fear, because of their frustrations, because of their anger, whatever you want to call it, now they want to be back in Egypt. Can you believe that? Were you bringing us here? There was no graves in Egypt. Would it be better to die in Egypt? This is what they were saying than to live in the deliverance of God. Listen to that. We'd be better to die in Egypt than we would to live in the deliverance. How foolish was that? But you see, all they saw was this hand, but they didn't see the promise. You see, when God delivers, He delivers. When God says, I'm able, He's able. And that's why our response has to be so right, because when we don't see it happening exactly how we plan or when we plan or or how we pictured it all to be. We've got to make sure that our response does not change and we start to doubt our deliverer instead of grabbing a hold of him in a greater way and saying, God, you've got to bring us through. You've got to bring us through. But you may say, well, their response was justifiable. I mean, you can justify their response. They're looking and they're seeing smoke and it's not because something's burning. It's a cloud of dust because Pharaoh's army is coming and they're all going to be killed and all going to be destroyed because there's a Red Sea behind them. There's mountains on each side of them and there's Pharaoh's army that's right there. What are they going to do? But here's the deal. Their response was because they saw Pharaoh's army, not because they remembered the deliverance of God. How many times can our response be because of Pharaoh's army? How many times can our response be, poor me, I don't deserve this? How many times can our response be so wrong instead of realizing, God, if you brought me through this and you took me through this, And you took me through this. My God, you haven't taken me thus far to leave me now. Come on. We've got to start not seeing Pharaoh's army, but we've got to start remembering our deliverer, the one who brought us out with a mighty hand. So Moses cries out to God, and this is how God replies to him. In I believe it's Exodus 14 and verse 15. God says to Moses, why are you calling out to me? Why are you crying to me? I love that. God puts him in his place real quick. Why are you crying to me? What's your problem? God says the plan hasn't changed. You tell the children of Israel, they keep heading in the direction I told them to go and we're going to make it to the promise. Hold on, but God, that direction, you must have got it wrong because it's through a sea. God says, go forward. Can you see Moses arguing with God? But what's the deal, God? How can we go forward? I mean, come on, let's be real. We've got about three million people with all our cattle. How can we go through an ocean? There's no time to build boats. And even if there were, there was no way we could build enough boats. What is the deal, God? And God says, would you stop questioning me and just do as I say? You see, they had a choice that day. Do they obey God or not? To obey God was foolishness, perhaps. But not to obey Him was death. Listen to me. You've got to hear that. To obey God may be foolishness in your thinking, but not to obey Him is imminent death. As they believed God, God parted the Red Sea. And the Bible says these words, they walked through on dry ground. 
There was two miracles that were done that day. The first was he parted the sea. The second was he dried out the ground. We just had a little bit of rain last week. And can I tell you, some people probably went up to their ankles, maybe their knees in mud because just a little bit of rain causes an awful lot of mud. You imagine removing a whole ocean or a whole sea and thinking how muddy and how deep you would go down with all the carts and the animals and all those people walking through. But God said, hold on a second. When I do a job, I do it right. I do it right. God came through again and in the process destroyed all of Pharaoh's army. Why? Thank God, because the children of Israel changed their response and they chose to believe God. And as a result, God delivered them. Okay, so that's the end of the story. And they all lived happily ever after. No, I wish that were the case. Say with me, it didn't take long. Come on, it didn't take long for them to have the wrong response over and over and over again. Why couldn't they learn? Why couldn't they learn that it was how they responded that would determine the outcome? The same reason they couldn't learn is the same reason we struggle to learn the same thing. That our outcome of our situations is dependent upon our response to those things. Remember these words that Jesus said in Mark 9, verse 23. Jesus said these words, If you can believe, all things are possible to that response of faith. Didn't Jesus say that all things are possible to those who believe? If you respond in that way, that you don't doubt, that you trust God, Jesus said, if you respond with that kind of faith, anything and everything is possible. Notice in that verse, Jesus did not say these words. If you can see it, if you can feel it, come on, he didn't say words like that, did he? He said, if you can believe it. If you can trust me despite it all, if you can have the right response, the right attitude, not to doubt me, but just to keep on trusting me, what happens? God says impossibilities. Red seas become a paved highway that you can walk on through. But that highway also can be the death and destruction of the enemy who's trying to fight follow you. Here's a motto that I have lived by for many years and I know will continue to live by for many years on, and that is this. I don't know how, but I know he can. I've said that many times as I've looked at circumstances and I've looked at the limitations. Remember the limitations that we have, our abilities or our inabilities. And I've looked and I said, but God, how? But then I've had to stop myself and I've had to remind myself, I don't know how, but I know, God, you can. Come on, you've got to hear that tonight. I don't know how. I've had people come up to me and say, how can this and how can this? And I have to look at them and say, I don't know how, but all I know is God can. Come on, if you, didn't, if you knew how, you wouldn't have to have that faith. But as we keep trusting and as we keep believing in God, You see, the response of the children of Israel later on, and we haven't got time to go, but when they were on 
the border of their promise. Because of their response, a 7 to 13 day trip, because that's what they tell us it could have probably taken from them to march from Egypt into the land of Canaan, the land of promise. 7 to 13 days. A 17 to 13 day trip ended up being a 14 year ordeal that every one of that generation had to first die except Joshua and Caleb before they could see the promise. They were on the edge of their miracle. I mean, they were right there. They were on the border of their miracle. They only had Jordan to cross and they were in the promised land. They were so close. But because of their wrong response, they never made it. I wonder how how many of us can be so close to our breakthroughs in our life, but yet because of our wrong response, we will perhaps never make it. I didn't say we won't make it to heaven, but we'll maybe struggle for the rest of our lives. Why? Because our response is wrong and that we're not fully trusting God. It's so important. It's so important. How close can we be but never enter in? Our response is so important. The attitude that we have or possess is so important. So what is attitude? What is having the right response? What is attitude? I'll tell you what attitude is not. It's not like rolling your eyes. Come on. Come on, don't give me that attitude. You know how people are? They look at you and roll your eyes and say, hey, don't give me that. That's not the attitude that we're talking about. Here's what attitude is. Attitude is your way of thinking, your way of feeling, and your way of acting. Think about that. The attitude that we need to have, the right response that we need to have is the right way of thinking, the right way of feeling, and the right way of acting. Because it tells us in the dictionary, the attitude, it is the manner or the behavior of a person towards a situation or a cause. So how is your attitude? Come on, we've got to have an attitude adjustment. I would have someone that would call me up quite on a regular basis and say, Pastor Pete, you've got to give me an attitude adjustment. I need an attitude adjustment. How's your response to life? How's your response to your spouse? How's your response to your kids? How's your response to your boss? How's your response to your teachers? How's your response to the details of life when the things aren't going favorable and it's not going as planned? I mean, come on. How is your response around? How's your attitude? It's a famous saying out there, isn't there? Your attitude determines your altitude. How high you go is determined upon the attitude that you possess. Obviously, the better attitude, the higher you go, the further you go, the worse the attitude or the bad attitude, you're not going to go very far in life. But here's another saying that I want to hit you with tonight, and that is this. Your attitude determines everything in your life. If you're taking notes tonight, you should do. Remember, those who take notes in church are less likely to go to hell. Don't know if it's true, but I wouldn't take the chance if I wasn't you. But listen to this. Your attitude determines everything in your life. Your response, the way you react, the way you respond determines everything in your life. Why? Because everything about God and how incredible and how awesome He is, everything about His Word, everything about His blessings, everything about life, His healings, everything about everything God has to give every one of us, if we don't watch, can be shrunk back to our attitude. We can make God pretty small, Patricia. Come on, Roxanne, we can make God pretty small with our bad attitude. 
Come on, John, you know what I'm talking about. We all know what we're talking about. Phil, don't leave me hanging, you know. Come on, we can shrink God. His abilities down in our lives. Why? Because of the wrong response, the wrong attitude, the wrong way of thinking, feeling, or the wrong way of acting in every one of our lives. So therefore, you and I must work on our attitude and our response. I'm going to give you eight key points tonight. Eight key points. We're going to try and fly through these. So if you're taking notes, hang with me. I'm going to give you eight key points when it comes to right response and attitude. Are you ready? Number one, you will never sustain right results over the course of your life with a continually bad attitude. You will never sustain right results over the course of your life with a continually bad attitude. And don't worry, the next ones are shorter than this one. What are you talking about there? The key words perhaps there is over the course of your life. We can look at our lives and say, well, that doesn't work because I know someone who's got a real bad attitude and they're really being blessed. Listen, that's for a season. I'm talking about the course of your life, not just seasons, not just moments. Come on, a lot of Christians try to justify their life by the high moments that they have. Come on, we're not talking about the moments. We're talking about the course of life. We're talking about the whole extent of our life, okay? So we're not trying to justify ourselves and say, well, I must be doing okay because God blessed me and I didn't have a good response. But is God still blessing you? I'm telling you, the right response will be a perpetual movement. God will continue to bless that. God will continue to honor that. Perhaps in your life, things are going bad. Perhaps in your life, things aren't falling in place like you think they should. And, 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 and you know, the wheels are falling off your car. Your pets, are, your dogs run away. I mean, everything that you put your hand to, it just feels like it's just, poof, it's just not happening. Well, maybe you're the common denominator. Maybe it's your response that's wrong. Maybe you've got a bad attitude. Maybe you're not what you should be because with having that bad attitude, you're never going to sustain anything in life. We're looking to sustain the blessings. We're looking to sustain a life of joy and peace. And God says we can have that, but our response needs to be right in order to warrant that or to be able to receive that. The church is full of people who do know better. I didn't say should know better, who do know better, but yet have stinking attitudes. They have a totally wrong response, and then you know what they do? They blame God for things that are not going right. Come on. They blame God for their bad, wrong attitude. Number two, your attitude will determine the course of your life. So we talked about you can't sustain blessing if your attitude's bad. So the second point is, therefore, your attitude will determine the course of your life. Bad attitude, bad life. Good attitude, great life. I didn't say everything would fall in place and everything would be perfect. But can I tell you this? You're going to enjoy life. Why? Because your attitude determines either you're going to be in a wilderness for the rest of your life or you're going to be in a place of promise. And again, on your way to your promise, you may have to sustain some wilderness experiences. 
And when you get in your promise, how many knows that they still had to drive out the enemies before them? There were still battles. There were still things that they had to conquer. There were still adversities. There were still struggles. There were things that they still had to deal with in their promise. Don't ever sit back and cruise. Come on. You've got to make sure that your response is right because every day your response is determining the course or the pathway of your life. We can't control what comes across our pathway, but we sure can control our response to those obstacles. We've got to watch for the sayings such as, oh, it always happens to me. I'm never going to get a break in life. Every church I go to, I get hurt. I always overlooked. I'm always overlooked for promotion. Nobody cares about me. Remember this, if you're always showing up at the scene of the accident, there's one common denominator in every situation. We've got to watch our attitude because it determines the course of our lives. How we respond, because there's a whole lot to respond to. Come on, some of you are responding 20, 15 times before you even get to work in the morning because that's just your commute in. How do you respond? Will determine the course of your life. Determines your day. Come on, you begin to lay a foundation for your day. In other words, your attitude would determine which way you're heading in life. Number three, attitudes can change. I'm glad about that, that attitudes can change. That means a bad attitude can be good. But you know the sad thing? That also means a good attitude can go south. I like what Denise said last week. What's wrong with this statement? I'm going on a diet. The problem with going on a diet means you can come off a diet too has to be a lifestyle, has to be a change. She said that. So thank God a bad attitude can change, but I've got to watch that my good attitude, that my response that's right, does not go south in a big hurry. I wrote down this statement. Why would I want to build, or why would I want to risk the future of my life on something that is bad and something that I can change? Why would I want to build my life on a bad attitude, a bad response, when I can change that through God and I can build my life upon that which is right? Romans 12 verse 2 says, But ye be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. What does that mean? Change your mind. Change your attitude. It's not an impossibility, but again, it's a choice. It's a choice that you and I have, how we respond, how we react. Come on, it's a choice that we have. We can change the attitude that we have. We've got to start realizing that God is able, no matter what. Come on, hear me tonight, that God is able. My response has to be, oh, no, not what, oh, how. My response has to be, God, I don't know how, but I know you're able. God, I can't see it, God, and I certainly don't feel it. But God, you said impossibilities become possibilities if I can just believe you and have faith. I've got to trust you, God. We've got to change our mind. Why? Because James 1 verse 8 says a double-minded man is going to be unstable in all his ways. I can't have a bad attitude and a bad response to life. Ephesians 4 verse 23 tells me that I have to be renewed in the spirit of my mind. Turn to your neighbor and say, change your attitude. Come on, change your attitude. Change your attitude. That wrong attitude you have can also take you into a place of wrong perspective. Hello? Wrong attitude brings you to a place of wrong perspective. What is wrong perspective? It means you'll start seeing things that are not there. 
You'll start hearing things that have never been said. You'll start feeling things that you never were intended to feel. Come on, you'll start seeing, you'll be misreading situations. You'll be finding more negative than positive. Everyone's talking about, you know, you know we got to watch the perspective that we have. And our perspective comes from the response or the attitude that we possess in our lives. Because because of wrong perspective, we begin to build the wrong picture. The Bible tells us in Colossians 3 verse 2, set your minds on the things above, not on the things of this earth. Philippians 2 verse 5 says, let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. In other words, we need to have the mind of Christ. We need to set our mind on His. And what is that? That we would trust Him, that we would thank Him, that we have the right perspective, that we see from His side of the sky and not ours. Why? Because right attitude will promote the right results. Change your mind. Catch yourself. Hold on. Not going to think like that. Not going to act like that. Not going to speak like that. Not going to do that. Come on. I'm going to believe God. And I'm going to trust Him. Number four, good attitude is attractive. Having a good attitude is attractive. I I don't like to be around someone who's got a bad attitude. Anyone like being around someone who's got a bad attitude? Come on. When you see someone with a bad attitude, you see them coming a mile away. At least you hope you see them a mile away. So it gives you enough time to get another mile away. Come on, and make sure that they don't catch you up. No one likes to be around someone with a bad attitude, but a good attitude is so attractive. People are drawn to that. It will attract others. It's like a light in darkness. People will be drawn to it. I want to be around that type of people who are pleasant. Notice this. When Jesus walked on this earth, everywhere he went, he attracted a crowd. Why? Because he had a good attitude. He had something different to the religious leaders who were saying, they didn't want to be around the religious leaders. They were afraid of them. And they were the people who were religious and supposed to be leading them. But they were leading them away from religion or relationship. And God said, Jesus came and said, hold on a second. Here's a new way. There was something so attractive about Jesus that people responded to him. It was his attitude and who he was. If you have no friends tonight, if no one wants to be around you, maybe you need to check your attitude. Come on, I love you enough to tell you the truth. I mean, come on, check your attitude. If you don't have friends and people run when they see you come, check your attitude. There's perhaps no greater witness for Christ than someone who lives an attractive life. Because people are drawn. When your boss shouts, you, shouts at you and chews you out and, and you get wrongfully accused, people are watching to see what your response is going to be. I've said this so many times, and I hate to sound redundant, but there's some words when it talks about Peter and, Peter and who was it? Paul and Silas who were in the prison, the Philippian jail cell. There's some words in there that I think are so powerful. It says, and the prisoners were watching them. They were watching them. They were looking for their response. What are you going to do? You've been wrongfully accused. You've been put in stocks. You've been beaten. What are you going to do? They began to sing. People saw something inside of them that rose up amidst the despair. There's no greater witness, I believe, than living an attractive life. And if I'm going to have an attractive life, I've got to have an attractive attitude. I've got to have the right response. Are you ready? Number six. Good. I was just checking to see if you were with me. Number five, your attitude will determine your growth. You see, the way we view others 
and the way we view us ourselves can determine how we grow. Really, I could say that in a different way. Not can determine how we grow, but does determine how we grow. Your attitude determines your growth. How you see yourself, how you see other people is so important for the growth of your life. You see, there's two different ways that you and I can grow, and that is this, healthy or unhealthy. We can grow in a healthy way or we can grow in an unhealthy way. They tell us that anything that's living will grow. But the question is tonight, not the growth, but what direction is the growth? If we've got the right attitude, we're going to begin to grow. If you've been through a situation where there was no way out and there was a Red Sea in front of you and Pharaoh's army behind you and the mountains on each side and God came through, you know that you're not the same person who went into that situation, who walked out of it. What happened through right response, you're a different person. Every one of us in here, I believe, has a testimony of growth through right response. But you know what? That response doesn't have to be stunted. It doesn't have to stop. That growth can be continual as every day we set the course of our life, as we have the right attitude and we respond in a godly way. Come on, is this okay tonight? Number six, a good attitude won't change some things, but it will always see you through. Doctors can tell you you've got cancer. You can smile and say, praise God, I've got the right response, I've got the great attitude, but cancer is still present in your body. Come on, no matter how good of an attitude you have, you can't control the weather. It's going to rain, whether you're smiling or not, whether you've got the right response or not. You cannot control the, you know, what happens necessarily. But you know what? Your right attitude is going to bring you through. If you've been told you've got cancer, keep your spirit up, keep responding right, keep believing God. And can I tell you, God's going to bring you through. It may be raining on you today. You can't control the weather, but can I tell you, you keep having the right response and there's going to be a sunshine that's going to come up in your life again. The pessimist may be right in the end, but it's the optimist that enjoys the journey. Never forget that. Never forget that. So I maybe can't change everything with my attitude, but can I tell you, it's going to bring me through everything. And it's going to be bring me through with a joy. It's going to be bring me through with a happiness. It's going to bring, there was a kid that used to go to school with us and we used to call him Smiley. Why was that? Because no matter what happened, he always had a smile on his face. Incredible. Incredible. I want to be known as Smiley. I want to be someone that no matter what, even if I can't change it with my response, you know what? I'm still going to be brought through because my response is right. Is that good? Number seven. When your attitude changes, problems take on a new light. Think about that. Oh, my husband's a jerk. He does this, he does that. Maybe your attitude needs to change because all of a sudden, as you change the way you see him, as you see the change the way you respond to him, the whole situation changes. I didn't say he changes, I said the whole situation changes. Why? Because what takes place? You change in the situation. And can I just really be honest with you, speaking from experience in my own life? Most of the time in the situation, I'm the one that needs to change. Come on, don't say amen because I need to change. You say an amen because you need to change in your circumstance. Isn't that true, though? We think it's everyone else. If everyone else changed, that would be great. But you know what? God has to sometimes show us that we need to change. And the circumstance may not change, but it really does change because all of a sudden it's in a new light because we've got the right attitude. And we're responding right. 
The problems are still there, but they no longer have the same effect. Why? Because your attitude, the change of your attitude, brings problems into a new life. Oscar Wilde made this statement, and he said this, We all live in the gutter, but some of us are looking at the stars. Think about that. Great statement. We all live in the gutter, but yet some of us are looking at the stars. Meaning we don't, we don't all have it easy, but no matter where we are, and you can't get much lower than the gutter, about the only lower thing than the gutter is the grave. But if you're in the gutter, he said, we can still be looking at the stars and trusting in God. And last but not least, number eight, attitudes are caught. They are not taught. Attitudes are caught, not taught. It's hard to teach someone to have a right attitude. It's so much easier to show them how to live a right attitude. I'm not saying it's impossible to teach someone right attitude, but it's a whole lot easier for them to grab a hold of it through seeing it in your life, that they catch it. There was a saying that they've said for many years, and that is, do what I say, not what I do. That is the biggest lie out there. Come on, we need to say, hey, do what I say and what I do. Well, let me say it this way. Do what I do and what I say because our words need to back up our actions, not the other way around. Right attitudes need to be seen by a lifestyle, by our actions and not our words. Listen to this statement. Someone once said these words. There is very little difference in people, but that little difference makes a big difference. Let me say that one more time. There is very little difference in people, but that little difference makes a big difference. You know what that little difference is? Attitude. And you know what the big difference is? Whether it's good or if it's bad. Think about that. There is very little difference in people, the attitude of people. But that little difference, the attitude that we have, makes a big difference whether our attitude is right or if our attitude is wrong. So what's your response tonight? Or should I say, who needs to change their attitude? We're going to talk more about this on Sunday morning. So make sure that you have the right response. Why? Because it could be the difference between a wilderness or a difference between the promised land. Incredible thought right there. We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heartseas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless. Master, Savior, I just